Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome. It's uh, Thursday here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and everywhere for that matter. Miller and Condon with you for the next couple of hours. We will talk sports with you and localize it as best as we can. We're going to have a pretty good run at that here today. Alex Halstead coming up. Covers Iowa State for CycloneAlert.com part of 24-7 Sports. A lot of Iowa State news. Not just the game from the other night uh, that was clearly disappointing as uh, they were unable to uh, really prevent Baylor from doing what they wanted in in the paint. So we'll talk to him about that. But Hilton apparently is uh, on the precipice of getting approval for a 25,000, uh, 25,000, that doesn't go very far, $25 million uh, dollar renovation that is going before the Board of Regents. We'll do that. Uh, the Cyclone Football Media had an opportunity to talk to Mel Kuyper. We'll get uh, Halstead's opinion on how that went. Uh, a lot of Iowa State conversation coming up here in about uh, 20 minutes. Do some hockey this morning with Joe O'Donnell. The Wild have been gone and will be gone again for the next couple of weeks, essentially. They're home tonight. They're home tomorrow night as they try and squeeze in some home games between the state wrestling and the state girls and then the boys. The Wilder uh, forced out on the road. Not at such a bad spot to be next week as they're headed to California. It's a place they'd rather be. Uh, not bad at all. So Joe Donnell in the first hour will do some we'll catch up on the Iowa Wild uh, about 12, uh, 10.45. And uh, very disappointed this hardcore Wild fan, as you know. Wearing my North Stars hat. You are. They traded Charlie Coyle yesterday. My guy. I like Charlie Coyle. Nino Niederreiter was your yes. other guy, and then you uh, they gravitated to Coyle. I knew like four guys, and two of them have been traded. <laughs> well, let's see if you think you can uh, maybe latch on to Parise, because he's yeah, a good yeah, player. That's uh, another one that I know. As a fan of a team in the Central Division, it would be nice to get him out of that uh, division. <laughs> as a fan of a team in the Central Division that is circling the drain, I might add. But you so don't are care they, about that. So are they trading away? Yeah, they're selling. They are. Yeah, I think they're in sell mode. Because they had one of the bigger payrolls. At least the last couple of years ago, I yeah, remember Probably that. so. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Well, they got two guys that are making a ton of money in mm-hmm. Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. So we'll talk some Wild, and we'll do some Minnesota Wild as well. For you hockey fans in the listening audience, both of you, you'll be glad to uh, that we're going to talk a little puck. And we're going to talk more puck as the playoffs uh, get closer for the Iowa Wild. Uh, as they do play here on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO, and I got to tip my cap to them because when you've had an event, Trent, that's a, you know, a local event with mm-hmm. high school or whatever it has to be, the Wild are uh, more than willing to, uh, you know, listen to maybe t- uh, going to .com for a night. So, yeah, and, and that, that was the case last Saturday with the state championships precisely. in wrestling. A big thank you to Joe and yep. everybody with the Wild and Todd and Fredrickson, that. the whole group. Yep. And uh, so we will. Uh, do a little payback. How about yes. that? We'll help them as they have helped us as we um, have a nice partnership work in there. In the 11 o'clock hour, Wade Looking Bill on Iowa. We will take a look back uh, at the Maryland game and a look ahead to tomorrow night. 8-10, I think I saw was the official tip. Uh, but just to be safe, get over there at 8 o'clock uh, just because you don't want to miss anything. Indiana and Iowa play on a Friday night. Carver-Hawkeye was packed. Yes, it was Michigan. The last time we had a game on Friday, be anxious to see uh, just what kind of turnout uh, that uh, they're able to uh, put together in Iowa City tomorrow night. And then Big 12 conversation with Matt Postens, heartlandsports.com. So a lot on our plate as we keep it for the next couple of hours. And Trent, I guess we should start. And we will get Iowa and Iowa State because you and I were off yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, although it's, you know, about 36 hours or so ago, I'm sure we both still have some opinions. I do want to hear your opinion on the uh, total. 
<laughs> that did not go well. No, look, I mean, everybody's, if you do this long enough, my, my Super Bowl was Jacksonville and Atlanta this year. None of those teams made the playoffs. Not you even get close. a leg and yeah. get egg on your yeah. face, right? Yeah. That's what you're going to do. Um, and you had some the other night, so I'll, I'll throw you the cloth that I used. Um, but let's talk last night, North Carolina and Duke and my, oh my. I've never seen that before. Yeah. I've never seen a guy blow a tire. I really and truly have you. I have. I, I've seen it happen before. I don't think at that level, though. And you look and sometimes, oh, yeah, it looks like the glue's coming undone on the heel, something mm-hmm. like that. Not, nothing like that, though. Not, not in that kind of circumstance where he blew out. Yes. The shoe. Cutting on his left foot. His foot went, well, everybody's seen her, yeah. right through the side of his Nike. Now, see Nike stock is down on paper, a paper loss this morning, yeah. over a billion dollars. Whoa. In, in paper. How, how does, how does that work? Well, the stock is down and I guess there's so much Nike stock out there. If you were uh-huh. to add the one person, one point, whatever it is, loss. No, I, I don't claim to. This is, I've got, Maybe I don't have one strong suit, um, but I certainly struggle when it comes to when it comes to this. For uh, finances, we go to our buddy Mike Hammond. Absolutely, and we're glad to do so. And in fact, I've got my Mike Hammond appointment coming up here. You Not do for finances to see how much fi- of my finances I'm going to have to turn over to the government. Yes, yes. Uh, but that's expected every year as we're contract employees, right? And mm-hmm. that's that's what happens when April 15th rolls around. So, anyways, it was just I I can understand why Duke kind of. I mean, the, the best player on their team was just helped off the floor. He was you know, the their face. leader was wounded. Yeah, I mean, he was Paul McCartney. He was he's the face. Yeah, I mean, and, and the, the other guys are incredibly talented. Well, he was the fifth. He was the fifth highest rated in this class on his team. Right. This, he was five, and now he's clearly the face of college basketball, mm-hmm. isn't he? I mean, who else would be? Oh, it's him. It's it, him it, for sure. There, there's no doubt about it. And, and reddish and. Barrett, Barrett, yeah, Jones, Jones, they're all really good. Uh-huh. But Zion is something different. It's something that we really have never mm-hmm. seen before. And How you, will it work at the next level? I think incredibly. Well. Do you? Do, do yeah, you? I think he translates. Just I mean, you look at the way. It's not just the dunking. As an offensive player, the way that he has developed, and mm-hmm. and that was the knock against him. That's why he wasn't the number one player in this class coming out because people said hey, he's a great athlete. And he's mm-hmm. an incredible dunker. But how does it translate? And then you look at the numbers taking dunking away. He's been incredibly efficient this year. Yeah. He shot it decent. No, he's think, been better than I thought. Yeah, and and that'll get better. I mean, yeah. when it's his full-time job, yep. Zion is going to translate incredibly well. And in the way in today's college and uh, NBA, I think it's even better. If this was 15 years ago, might have been a little more difficult. You know, is he is he good enough to be a 3? Man, maybe not. Can he guard a 4? Maybe. Well, so many teams play small ball that it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. He's going to be fine at the next level as long as health is okay. So what have you seen today about the knee injury? Sprain. That it's, 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 it certainly could have been worse, I think, yes. is the consensus. Uh, that, that seems to be the, uh, the national media that covers uh, college basketball. It could have been way worse. Of course, it's going to be a major talker. What's he going to do after this? Should he play again? Shouldn't he mm-hmm. play again? Look, there's one person who's going to make that decision, and he's going to make the right decision for him. Yeah. It's Ian Williamson. You do what you want to do. And I'm not going to sit here in a soapbox and kill a kid. No. For, for whether he plays with, I'm the same way in bowl games, right? I mean, if you're not in, if you're not in the playoff, I have no problem with you not missing your bowl game. I really and truly don't. An exhibition that yes. they aren't paid for. Now there is a a portion of people out there that believe that Zion Williamson gets nothing out of the Duke experience. Now that's laughable. It is laughable. Because I agree with you. Without, if he is overplaying in Europe right now, making money, right? 
We wouldn't be talking about no. Zion Williamson. No. The money that he's going to get, maybe not from Nike, maybe no. from Puma. How about that? Did you see that oh, tweet? Yeah. Oh. I, what, I, I thought, what, at first when I thought, I thought, oh, I kind of got a smile on my face. And I thought, you know what? This isn't going to end well. And I wonder how long it's going to be up. Wasn't up very long. Wasn't up very long. And for people that missed it yesterday, said what? It, something it, wouldn't happen if you wore our If he was wearing Puma, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. You We're paraphrasing. Right. You know what we need to talk about, though? And, and the Zion Williamson is clearly the story. Um, but the seniors for North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You now, we've got a bunch of freshmen on Duke, and they're amazingly talented. Um, but look what look at the seniors, Johnson and, and May last night. The, the effort that they had. You know, physically, they're just, well, with the exception of Zion, it wasn't there last night. They're mm-hmm. just more prepared at this. They're older, for crying out loud. May was unstoppable. 30 and what? 30 and 15? 15? Yeah. It's amazing what he ended up with. Johnson the same way. I don't think he had a double-double, but he certainly had a bunch of points. And R.J. Barrett was great, and Reddish was terrific, and uh, Jones was was okay. He wasn't great. But both teams really struggled to shoot the basketball. Yeah. I mean, the three-point shooting in that game was just atrocious. In a game that Carolina put 80 up on, 88 up on the board. Right. And we're two for 20 from three. That's 10%. That's That's awful. I didn't realize it ended up that yeah. two for they 20. They set a record. Both teams combined, and I'm... Going off memory, you know, memory is uh-huh. three for 34, I want to say, in the first half yesterday combined. And it was 8.38, at the half? Uh, 32, 42, 32. 42, 32. Regardless, 88 in a game like that. Mm-hmm. And a game that you mentioned those seniors because Kobe White was okay. Yeah, he's, you know what? I'm glad you brought him up because I remember telling you about him about a month ago. Have you mm-hmm. seen this kid play? And you, yeah, you've seen him, but you can't, don't know much about him. I've watched him, I don't know, four or five times this year. Last night wasn't his best game. No. But he's really good. Yeah. And, and when you, you got, got him on a bad night. You got Trey Jones that's up there guarding yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He could make it difficult. Absolutely can. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So the, the building, Cameron Indoor last night, the, the ticket price to get in, other than the Super Bowl, the second most expensive vo- get-in price. So I'm hearing this conversation yesterday, and I don't get it. I know Obama was there. I know mm-hmm. you got that. But it's a regular season. Okay, it's your only time to see Zion against Carolina and Cameron. But that kind of ticket price—it's—it's—it's it's, it's bucket list. Uh, there were the the broadcast uh, was talking about a family flew all the way out from Seattle. Now, obviously, a family that's you know pretty well off. Oh yeah, uh, brought four of them out there. They wanted to scratch something off their bucket list, and they all wanted to go together. It, I would love to go. I yeah. would love to go to Cameron Indoor Arena. It doesn't have to be North Carolina. You're right. You know, I mean, we can't. I can't afford North Carolina. I don't know who on this home schedule, uh, <laughs> ACC wise, that I could afford to see. But if most people want to, at if least Georgia Tech coming to town. There you go. Maybe that's a little bit more affordable. Right. Just to say you've seen it, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the star power was out in force last night to see that game. The ticket price is $2,700 for a get-in. That's crazy. For a regular season college basketball game. Is there anything you would pay $2,700 to see? Yes. Oh, I think I know what it is. <laughs> and I, I game I, seven, game seven, Winnipeg, downtown Winnipeg, Jets versus whoever in the Stanley Cup final. And I will do it. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. I have no idea what I will tell my wife when she realizes that I've done it. Oh, that conversation! I would love to be a fly on the wall for that one. It, but I'm going. Yeah, right. You have to. Absolutely. This has been my team since I was a child. For mm-hmm. crying out loud. And I remind you, they left for 15 years. Now, I wasn't living there at the time, but still. Anyway, uh, is there anything you would pay $2,700 to go see? Uh, 
probably a Hawkeye, Hawkeye Final National Four Championship. National Championship. Yeah. So Monday night, although you've got a press pass. I right do now, have a press pass. How about that? You are credentialed legitimately. Yes. No shaky business none here. None whatsoever. Nope. You are legitimately credentialed to see that game to see the weekend, right? You'll be yep. there Saturday for mm-hmm. both of them, then back again on Monday. That's outstanding for you. So if you didn't, you would pay, if it would, it would have to be the national championship, right? And even $2,700 maybe for me is just too much. A little steep, yeah. Yeah. And now if, say it's a thousand, you know, a thousand dollars and, and I can put it on my credit card and I'll pay it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. National championship, but there's nothing professional sports. Why, you know, I'm thinking twins. Twins game seven worlds. Yeah, that, I don't think it cost that much. Right, and that's the other part. Yeah, that a twenty seven hundred dollar ticket is just right. it's unthinkable. I mean twenty seven hundred you might get to sit at center ice for twenty seven hundred bucks in Winnipeg. Mm, no? No, I don't think it's so. It's gonna be pricey. I think it's gonna be pricey. Okay. Because it's the smallest building in the NHL. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I I well, look at I I hope I get to find that out at, at right, some right. not gonna be this year. They're bad. Um they're bad. So speaking of bad, let's do I when I was state and I hate to segue boy. like that, but they were both bad. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know who was worse. <laughs> You know, it's it's seemingly every weekend you have to come back. Well, what was a better win? Well, Iowa State on the road at K-State or yeah. the, the, the miraculous shot. Well, why do we have to do that? <laughs> I, I never bo- understood that. It was bad there. for both of them. It was bad for both of them on uh, on Tuesday night. I don't care where you want to start. And um, Cyhawk Twitter, do you do you get a, a little star if you make the argument your loss was worse than mine? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you both lost. Yeah, they're both lost, Trent. That's that's the bottom line. There wasn't There wasn't a lot of... Find the positive in the Iowa Maryland loss. Help me out with that. It was close. It was close. They they did come back uh-huh. again. Uh huh. And this is something that I was alluding to, and and just bad work out of me. I couldn't I couldn't verbalize it to you in Monday's show. But as we were talking about the game and the back to back miraculous victories for Iowa, if that maybe a false sense of security that we can come mm. back for anything. Because I thought they were going to come back on Tuesday. By the way, I thought they. Did. I thought Moss's shot was in. I did too. Yeah, and. But you can't play that way. You can't continue to, well, we'll be fine. You know, for 36 minutes against Northwestern, they were awful. Mm-hmm. And they came back and they got the victory. Mm-hmm. And for stretches against Rutgers, they were bad. Mm-hmm. But they got the miraculous shot in the bank in and they win it. How about Rutgers last night? I thought they were going to beat Michigan State for a while anyways. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And it leads down to the path of you don't have that sense of urgency. You, you don't have that aggressiveness throughout they're good defensively. They they played well, but it just it felt like for a while in that second half as the lead started to go up and then Cowan had hit a shot, I would get it back within six and Cowan had hit a mm-hmm. shot. That they were just almost waiting. They're waiting. All right. Well, when we get inside, somebody save us. Right. When we get inside, we'll be fine. Yeah, got them right where we want them. Yeah. And that's not a good way to play. Uh-uh. You, you you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to do that when three of your last five now are on the road. You got Indiana, who's talented, a bad basketball team, but mm-hmm. a talented team coming in mm-hmm. tomorrow night. You I'm anxious to see the, how they show up because they left it all on the floor. I, it's a cliche, but they really. Did you see much of Purdue, Indiana yeah. the other night? That was a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. That's a great in state rivalry. That's that is a great rivalry in Big, Big Ten, Ten basketball, yes. 218. Absolutely is. And they didn't score a lot of points, and I mm-hmm. kept looking at Twitter, and Twitter was. You know, not really digging the fact that it was low scoring. I was into it. It was a Big Ten physical basketball game. Right. All four. What's wrong with Luca Garza? He's averaging four points in his last four games. He was on the bench at the end of that game last night, not because of foul trouble. I don't think he had more than two in the game, and maybe he only had one. Um, so it wasn't foul trouble that kept him stapled to the bench, but Luca Garza. Has not been himself lately, Trent, and I just wonder what's going on there. 
And he even said as much that he's out of sorts after the game. He was, you know what? Good for good for all of these kids. You know, I'm glad Bohan is not holding back. He mm-hmm. thought he was fouled and maybe not the best look after a loss like that. But you know what? At least you're 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 you're, you're saying something, and that's what we want. Right? That is what we want. Yeah, it's not cliches. It's not just, right. Eh, it's what the ref called. Or it's not, or, it, or even worse, they're not going to be made available. Oh yes, right, yes, and we've seen that from time absolutely. To time. But back to Garza, I think it's just a bad stretch. I don't see anything now. They are defending him a little bit different, and, and that's the part you're seeing teams be more and more physical, not just more physical with him as he's in the post, but even before when he's trying to set up, you're seeing guys push him away, get him off the mm-hmm. block, and, and get mm-hmm. him. And the way they're closing out, another part that I've seen. Because I think coaches now have gone up and guys, don't leave your feet against Garza. He's not going to beat you with a baby hook because he just out jumps you. Stand your feet. Don't fall for those pump fakes because athletically, with his limitations, you're going to be able to defend him a lot better. Stay on the floor. And I think more and more teams have done that. Excellent point. And, and the last two games, you played a couple of big yeah. good teams with good front lines. That's been a big difference, too. No doubt. Uh, Wieskamp had a really bad shooting night as well. I don't think he made a shot. He made his, He was dealing with foul trouble. He was. That's true. He was in foul trouble. In fact, when was he stapled to the bench in the first half? How many minutes in? Was it five? Four? I, yeah. I, I, it I was early. I didn't get the tweet out in time, but yeah. No, it was early in the game, and he never played another minute in the first half and finished with two points. Uh, Iowa State, conversely, going up against Baylor, a game that most thought that they were Ten point favorites, nine and a half. Opened at eight and a half when yeah. it first came out the day before. Right. And quickly by that evening, it was ten, ten and a half across the board mm. before he even laid your pillow down. So and this is automatic, right? It's Baylor. Sure seemed like it. Baylor's going the wrong way. They're dealing with a score, bunch of injuries. Had a score to settle because they, yes. got, they got picked off in Waco when they were on the road. Uh, Shayok got his points, but boy, he was about the only one. Wigington, did Wigington finish in double digits? If he didn't, he was close, I think. Um, he had 10. He had 10, so there you go. Uh, Trent, they were just killed inside. How, what was mm-hmm. the offense? Eight, they gave up 18 offensive rebounds. 18! Offensive rebounds out rebounded forty four to twenty eight. They got to get tougher. I agree with them. Too many guys standing around underneath the basket um, in that game, and we've. This isn't the first time we've seen this. This is starting to become a trend with this mm-hmm. Iowa State team, right? Just go ahead and sashay through the paint and lay it in. You know, it's almost like a layup line. Go back to the end of the K State game when the game was here. Barry Brown just untouched, right through and TCU. in. TCU. Everybody on mm-hmm. the team all the way through. So we, it, it's it's um, it's a flaw. It is on this team. Yes, this is something that you can point to and say, we talk matchups when it gets NCAA mm-hmm. tournament time. The wrong matchup can have this team, even if they're a four, five, six seed, whatever it is. That double digit seed absolutely can pick this team off. Matchups are ultra important yep. to Iowa State and them having a chance to make a run. You mentioned the 18 offensive rebounds on 38 misses. Almost half of the misses. That's incredible. Baylor came up with the offensive rebound. That does that can't no happen. No. Did Prome? Did he get outworked by Scott Drew? Give me an example. Well, just not pushing button, not going two bigs. bigs together. He just refuses to do that, Trent. George Condon didn't see any runs. No, he's, his bench is he's playing two guys off the bench. I'm, did anybody else play? Did Tally get in? Yeah, he did. Tally played five minutes uh, in the game. So he expanded. He went from seven to eight. Um, I this don't is know. a deep Iowa State team. That's what yeah. we talked about this summer. This is Your guy Lewis hasn't seen the floor no, and no. won't. No, absolutely not. This is as deep of an Iowa State team as mm-hmm. Prom has had, and mm-hmm. he's going back to what he knows, and that is a tight bench. Mm-hmm. Is that the best thing? Do they need a shakeup? And if that shakeup is, I mean, 
we've been not saying it. Well, we were, and then we kind of got off of it. The, the Wigington is a time to insert him in the starting lineup, and even if you do, what difference is it going? To, is it going to make a big enough difference? I'm not sure that 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 uh, that there's a right answer there. I'm really not. At this, I think point, the answer is you've got to tough enough. You've got you, you've got to want to rebound the basketball. You want to want to get your nose dirty underneath the hoop because elbows are flying. You have to want to be down there and do business down there. And if you don't, and sadly, I mean, look at Travis Hines been really good on Twitter, showing some of those. They're not vines anymore. What are they called? Clips, whatever kind of whatever yeah. it is. Um, just pointing out. Just look at the guys just standing around, letting Baylor go up uncontested, time after time after time. Uh, not a good look. Alex Halstead joins the program. More Iowa State conversation hockey in about twenty minutes or so. Wade Looking Bill on the Hawks eleven fifteen. Matt Poston's Big Twelve overall. A lot of talk that this is the big. The best conference in college basketball. They're good, but I'm not sure that they're the best conference in college basketball. They don't have a national champ. They do not, Trent, and I totally agree with you because that's how I, that to me is a big marker. Mm-hmm. I mean, ACC has a chance to have the national champion. So does the Big Ten have a chance to have the national championship. I think more so the ACC, but yeah. uh, the SEC's got some good teams as well. Uh, but we'll talk Big 12 hoops with Matt Postons. Texas Tech, Kansas, primetime, Saturday night, 7 o'clock. Wow. It's appointment television. It's appointment television. Trent and I are here till noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXN. Polar Plunge. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO portion of the show brought to us by our friend, Dr. Stephen Fuller. Have a lunch with Doc tomorrow. Best sausage sandwich in town. Ooh. I think it's the Norwoodville Grill Pub something. Norwoodville. Where's my invite? You're welcome to come. Not too busy. Are you? Well, there you go. (laughs) Um, But Doc Fuller's got a couple of locations. He's my dentist. A couple of locations. If you're new to the area or... Time to maybe change up on the dentist. 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net for more information, the services, the locations, patient forms, etc. Fullerdental.net. Let's talk some cyclones. Alex Halstead, cyclonealert.com. Alex Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing good. Waiting to go to... Iowa State's basketball practice this afternoon before they go to TCU, but otherwise just uh, starting to get ready on some 2020 recruiting stuff. Good stuff. Well, you know what? We, um, I want to get to that, uh, but I do want to, your tweet from earlier, um, just the renovations that apparently the Board of Regents have been asked to approve $25 million, and it's mostly concourse stuff. Is that how I read this, Alex? Yeah, so Iowa State, obviously, you know, last year went to the Board of Regents to get $90 million, or not to get $90 million, but to get approval to go forward with their $90 million project on the Academic Center in Jack Trice Stadium. Now they'll go to the Board of Regents uh, here next week uh, for $25 million, like you said, at, at Hilton Coliseum. And it is mostly common if it's going to be uh, the entrances to the north and south uh, ends of Jack Trice, or I'm sorry, Hilton Coliseum, um, to make them more uh, accessible for wheelchairs and things like that. But then a lot of it's going to be the concourse to widen the concourse. And um, the big thing I think some fans are probably most excited about is they're going to change how the concessions work and we'll be able to expand, supposedly, the offerings at the concession stands. 
Good stuff there, and uh, maybe opening up alcohol sales around. But that's something that we'll bring. You've heard that? No, I haven't. But it's coming. At some point, it's coming everywhere. We're getting there. Yeah, I, I just saw some other big-name school just jumped aboard. Um, yeah, Ruck, Rutgers. There you Rutgers, go. Yeah. Big name somewhat. Well, yeah. <laughs> it is Big Rutgers. Ten, I meant to yes, say. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, Alex, uh, let's get into the nuts and bolts of this basketball team. And after what you saw Tuesday night in the loss to Baylor, I know a lot of frustration out there right now in Cyclone fandom. People, how does this team continually lose these games at home? What's going on? Scott Drew gets prom again going with the bigs and dominating inside. Your takeaway from Tuesday night? Yeah, I think a lot of the, the meltdowns that happen on social media or elsewhere come from the fact that you know, this Iowa State team has proven they can go win big games on the road. They've won at Texas Tech. They've won at Kansas State um, and even at Ole Miss, you know, which was mm-hmm. uh, a top 25 road yep. game. I mean, they're, they're able to go win some of these games on the road, and every time they've done that, they've put themselves – back in the discussion for the Big 12 title, especially most recently against Kansas State. You know, we talked last week that going into that Kansas State game, if they win that game, they're back within a game. If they lost it, they were three out and probably done. Well, they won it, and fans are getting their hopes back up that Iowa State's in the Big 12 title race, and then they, they go back home, a place where, you know, in recent memory, they have not lost a lot of home games. You know, right. you look at Fred Hoiberg's last four years, uh, the four tournament teams, he lost four conference games at Hilton Coliseum. And Iowa State lost three conference games this year. Mm-hmm. So it, I think that, that just feeds into the, the meltdown, so to speak, is, is they're, they're in, this, in this race and they're losing to teams that they're nearly double-digit figures, you know, favorite, yep. favorites against. And here comes Texas Tech to end the season. That's not going to be a picnic as well. You know, there's been a lot of criticism, Alex. I'm sure you've seen it. A lot of, you know, a lot of, um, Monday morning or this case, Wednesday morning quarterbacking, if you want to call it that is, you know, is pro, when's he, when's prone going to, um, you know, come around and play two bigs at the same time? He's got to get Larden Jacobson on the floor. He's, he's got to get Condi. He's got to find some minutes for him. This isn't working. Um, they were dominated inside. Look, Vital's not a big by any means, but boy, is He's strong as a bull, my God. Um, and he was out fighting uh, Horton Tucker for, for uh, rebounds. Both of those guys getting the ball, hands on the ball at the same time, and it was going Vital's way, which, um, you know, that probably, it's, uh, it's Horton Tucker's ball in the, when he fills out a little bit, matures. But what do you think about that? Is there something to it? Should uh, should uh, Prome change things up and, you know, be willing to insert Jacobson, Lard, and Condit, two of them on the floor at the same time at points? Well, I am surprised he hasn't gone to George Condit at times. You know, after some of these losses, uh, I want to say TCU, Baylor, maybe back at the beginning of January where they where they lost to Baylor on the road, he's kind of been asked, you know, did you think about bringing Condit in um, for whether it's a rim protector against TCU or, you know, they were getting to the rim easy or a, a rebound game like Saturday against Baylor. And both times he said, you know, he thought about it and – it didn't lead to anything, obviously. You know, we haven't seen Condit very much in conference play. Uh, he, he made a comment after the game, uh, you know, Tuesday night and said kind of this team is what it is. And it makes me think he's probably going to stick to his guns of, of four guards. Now, I'm not saying there won't be a point where he puts two bigs out there, but I think this, this season's so late that I just don't know if he's going to do it at this point. I think it just kind of is what it is. But we have kind of seen some of the deficiencies of this team in the whole losses, you know, the TCU game, I think, continued to show, along with the Kansas game on the road, some of their ball screen defense against some teams can be an issue, and, and that kind of goes back to the forward thing of, in the end, not having a rim protector um, there as, as the last line of defense. And then, 
you know, Tuesday giving up 18 offensive rebounds on 38 misses. You know, they rebounded at, you know, 46% of their misses. Those are kind of the two big deficiencies, but you're so late in the season that you almost have to find ways to cover them up Then, other than you're not just going to fix those with two weeks to go. You know, completely solve them. You're probably just going to find ways to win, win despite them. Cyclone Alerts, Alex Halstead joining us right now here. It's Miller and Con and I, KXNO. All right, Alex, uh, to the lineup. And we've talked about starting lineups and inserting different guys in there. But that aside, is it time for Wigginton to start to play 32, 34 minutes a game? He just overall, when you go through more minutes as opposed to Halliburton, Halliburton scored, I think, double digits just once in the past, like, 14 games. I don't know scoring is not his main thing. It's what he can do as a defender, what he does, obviously, passing the basketball. But would you like to see that number increase? I think Wigginton, over the last nine games, the most he's played is 27. If you're going with the seven-man rotation, does it make sense for Wigginton to get someone more of those minutes? Yeah, I was, I was saying that yesterday. That the, it, We're beyond the point of discussing whether he's going to start or should start. And I, like we said before, it might not even matter at this point. It's more about is he playing starters minutes, and he's not right now. I mean, um, you know, before Tuesday, he was averaging 24.5 minutes a game. Um, Tuesday, he played 26 minutes. Uh, you know, he's got to be in the probably 30 to 32 to be considered playing starters minutes. And part of the reason it's hard for him to play starters minutes is because he's not coming in until the 14 or 15 minute mark of each half, and that already takes 10 minutes off, 10 minutes off his line. And so that's probably, I think, the biggest gripe that. I've seen a little bit recently is he's got to play more minutes and, and maybe it's Halliburton, but maybe it's also Nick Weiber Bab. I mean, mm-hmm. yep. 38 minutes yep. on Tuesday, you take a few minutes off both of those mm-hmm. lines and all of a sudden, you know, Wigginton's up to 30 to 32. And I, I do think a guy like that, that I know he had his struggles early, but he's almost back to 40% from three. He's, he's, been pretty good in the last three weeks. I just think you have to have him on the court more. Um, whether he's starting or not, I think, I think we're beyond that point, but he's got to probably play more minutes, I agree. Uh, Alex Halstead is our guest. Alex, I, I know that you guys had an opportunity to talk to gra- draft guru Mel Kuyper on a uh, conference call. Um, I thought uh, I, I've, I've read the stuff that he said. I think he's spot on with all of them. Brian Peavy, he thinks is going to play, is, is going to make a team. He's convinced that uh, the 40 time is um, is going to play a huge role uh, in whether Akeem Butler hears his name on the first day or early in second round or falls to the third round. Have, what, what do you know? What, what's Butler been doing? Has that been something that, you know, he's left school and he is, or or he's training, and uh, how big of an emphasis is his 40 time as he prepares for the combine coming up? Yeah, he is off training somewhere. I'm not exactly um, sure where it is. I, I've seen that he's been in Florida and I think Texas and different areas, but He's off training in advance of the combine, and that is what Mel Kuyper Jr. said is, you know, he's going to be one of the key guys, Kuyper said, to run the 40 next week, that teams know that he's this 6'6 guy. They like his frame. They like his body. They want to know how high-end he can be. You know, Kuyper thinks he's between the first round and the third round. He said he almost put him in his first-round mock draft this week, which is, was his 2.0 version. He did it because he wants to see what he runs at the 40. A good 40, supposedly, Kuiper thinks he could, you know, at least be in the first-round discussion. An okay 40 maybe puts him in the third round. So that's still a good range to be in, but there are, it's quite a bit of a difference, you know, now for, for Hakeem. And the one follow-up I would have liked to ask Kuiper is, what 40 do teams want to see to make him right. a first-round pick? Um, and so that, that's what's going to be interesting. You know, Alan Lazard last year 
ran a 4.5540. We thought that was a pretty good time. Um, you know, what do they want to see from Butler? I looked yesterday, and since 2000, there's been uh, 36 receivers of six foot five or, or taller that have gone to the combine, and the, you know, 20 of those 36 were drafted. The 20 that got drafted averaged a 4.52. The 16 that didn't get drafted averaged a 4.62. So there's mm. a difference there. And so I think if he's in the upper 4.5s, I think that probably bodes well for him. Just think about that. 4.52, you're getting paid. 4.62, I'm a fraction of a second. Yeah, crazy. Too slow, too yeah. slow, right? David Montgomery uh, never been accused of being too slow, but running back to the NFL, it's just a different era. What do you hear on him? And give us a range that you'd expect. We talking second, third round, or a guy maybe that could fall just because running backs in the NFL don't have the same value. Yeah, Kuiper is a second to third round grade. Um, he said he's great, he's great as his fifth, fifth, fifth running back, but has the same grade as his third running back. So he thinks he's anywhere from the second to third. But that is going to be the thing is you can be a high end running back and fall anymore in the NFL um, unless you're Saquon Barkley. You there's just not a whole lot of high first round draft picks at running back anymore. Your teams have seen that they can take a Matt Forte later or a Kareem Hunt later and be just as good as. The, a bust like Cedric Benson. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that I think hurts him a little bit, just his position. Um, Kuiper also said he thinks it's a year where teams aren't as in need of, a, of running backs early. Um, but I looked in last year, I think eight running backs were gone by the end of the third round. So I think, you know, if it's something like last year, I think he's still probably in that second to third round range. That's what Kuiper thinks. And he's probably the most known in terms of Iowa State's draft guys. You know, Kuiper brought up the fact that he had to do a lot of it on his own that he would sure. be in on. So I think teams know what he can do. And as long as he runs just tests okay, I think you know he's going to fall probably on day two. Cedric Benson. I, I consider you a friend, Alex. Why would you bring that name up on this program? <laughs> yeah, Bears fans. Hey, hey we got to go, Alex. Great to talk to you. We'll uh, catch up with you next week. Appreciate your contribution. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Alex Hall said CycloneAlert.com. I was in such a great mood. Cedric Benson. Yeah, that was that, that, that one leaves a mark, doesn't it? Or he could be Philip Lindsay. Don't get drafted or an invite to the combine. Look at the year he had. You're right about running backs. Not the same value, but boy, oh, boy, what a player Montgomery was yes. at Iowa State. We'll talk some hockey next with the voice of the wild, Joe O'Donnell. They play tonight. They play here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXN. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. A few minutes late, maybe we can bump the break to closer to the top of the hour, Trent Condon. We can make that work. Because Joe O'Donnell, you and I have some business to do. Joe's the voice of the Iowa Wild. You can hear him here. Or at .com. You can also uh, catch The Wild tonight and tomorrow night. they got a huge concert, even a band that I've heard of. Dropkick Murphys? Mm. Huh? I know them. Well, I knew them because of Peralt. They must be a Boston band, yes. I'm assuming. Yes, they are. Uh, Joe O'Donnell, the voice of The Wild, joins us. That's tomorrow night. They've got the concert. They also have a game tonight. San Jose's in town. Joe, Trent, and Ken, good to talk to you again. How you been? Good fellas, glad to hear you guys on the air the last few weeks. It's been enjoyable. Thank you very much, and we're looking forward to talking, uh, spending more time with you on that uh, on those airwaves here as we march toward the playoffs. And that's the key words, Joe. Uh, playoffs are very much on the horizon if the team continues to play where they uh, play the type of hockey uh, that they have been. Uh, nice to see that the playoffs at this point of the year are still uh, something you can shoot for. 
Yeah, that's the key, though, is staying with it. Uh, coaches often use that word consistency in any sport. And uh, last year, the Iowa Wild were in a similar spot, feeling good about themselves with about, you know, maybe even less games than this, you know, 17, 15 games to go somewhere in there. And, and the wheels sort of fell off the proverbial bus. So for Iowa this year, um, they've been very consistent, just 16 regulation losses, sitting second place in the division, just four points out of the top spot with a game in hand. So they put themselves in a good spot, but with the NHL trade deadline yeah. looming, as you know, Kenny, that can affect multiple teams' rosters here in Minnesota, the teams the Wild are battling with for playoff spots. So uh, certainly a big game tonight against the San Jose Barracuda. They're the Sharks farm team. They're uh, one of the top teams in the Pacific Division. And Iowa won the only other meeting of the season series out in San Jose. And it was a good game. San Jose's a they're a quick team. Uh, they don't give up a lot defensively. So the Wild are going to have to really earn their offense tonight. When is the trade deadline? Monday. Monday. Okay, so we still got a few more days of this. And with it, do you expect a lot more movement, another piece here or there out of the big club, Minnesota, and the Wild? What do you expect kind of going forward? Yeah, I think Minnesota's not done. Uh, they made a trade yesterday sending Charlie Coyle. Uh, Weymouth, Massachusetts boy, essentially to his hometown team in the Boston Bruins. They get Ryan Donato back, a, a young player. I like him, Joe. I've watched. Uh, yeah. I've seen him a couple of times. I was surprised and, they moved him. Yeah, and he, you know, he's only 22. Yeah. Um, it's the last year of his entry level deal, so Minnesota can kind of control him through restricted free agency in the future if they want. Um, and I'm sure that they would do that. Um, he's a kid that can play center and wing, and he really shined last year. If you remember some of those collegiate kids that played for the Olympics, yep. he was one of four college kids to play for Team USA last year in the Olympics. So he's got some big game experience, international experience, and uh, Minnesota picked him up in the Charlie Coyle trade yesterday. Yeah, one of the kids he played with was Greenway, right? Yep, yep. Uh, interesting. So, I mean, we're not in March yet, so the real push, I shouldn't say that, is, the push is on, but it's not, I think there's still one more level of intensity. Yeah. Uh, but what what are you seeing? Have you seen it? Are you seeing it ramp up night in, night oh, yeah. out? Yeah, I think, you know, even if you go back to um, the last home series, so February 8th and 9th against San Antonio was a very kind of chippy playoff atmosphere series. Now, some of that had to do with some bad blood from, sort of the rivalry that was building in earlier parts of the year between the Wild and the Rampage. Um, but you're starting to see that, you know, we played teams now six, eight, ten times. Right. The guys are tired of seeing the their opponents that they see with you know within the Central Division. So um, I don't know how much bad blood we'll have this weekend, but certainly this is a test for both teams because, again, San Jose has struggled the last few games compared to the standard they set for themselves earlier in the season. They lost the only other matchup to the Wild this year. Iowa's trying to keep its six-game point streak intact tonight. Um, and I, both teams know what's at stake, which is valuable points towards that playoff push. You guys were on the AHL net, or the um, uh, NHL network the other, when was it, Sunday? Sunday, yeah, against yeah. the Chicago Wolves. They I, picked up the Wolves broadcast. And, I saw and, that, but I, I watched the third period in overtime. <laughs> at the end of that game, I thought we were going to have a, a, a bench-clearing brawl. It got a little yeah. nasty. Yeah, well, Gustav was, so the Wolves scored in overtime to win it, yes. and Gustav Borman was the only wild player back. It was yep. an odd man rush for Chicago, and he got kind of mixed up with one or two of their guys when the Wolves won it, and the game was over, so obviously Chicago's whole team is spilling down on the ice right. to celebrate, and poor Gustav Borman, the young Swedish defenseman, was about one on ten there in the corner <laughs> yep. uh, trying to defend himself, and then the wild players see what's going on, they try and come rushing in, and it had the chance to really boil over. Uh, fortunately for the American Hockey League, it didn't. Uh, but you, you know, again, that's a that's a prime time rivalry mm-hmm. for the for the Wild. Those Chicago Wolves games, and 
they've got them on the schedule throughout the year. Um, you know, Grand Rapids, Milwaukee, some of the more typical wild rivals. Uh, plenty of games left against them the rest of the way. But Iowa does have a bunch of these California teams to play, and a lot of the other Central Division teams don't. And so I think that'll be an interesting wrinkle. You know, there, there won't be any of those four-point games for the Wild for some of these stretches when they go out to California next week and, and play the Barracuda tonight, tomorrow. And so it'll be interesting how that will impact the playoff race. Uh, I want to talk about the Minnesota Wild in a minute, but I do want to get this in. Tomorrow, you're, you're drop the puck at 6 tomorrow, right? Yeah. Because of yeah. the post-game concert. Yeah, uh, tell so us tonight, about Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, so tonight's at 7. Yep. Um, it's a dollar popcorn night. Tomorrow is... Uh, six o'clock, and then you know, within twenty twenty-five minutes max of the game ending, the Dropkick Murphys will take the ice, if you will, take the stage. So, mm-hmm. um, and and tickets are very limited. In fact, the one hundred level is it's jam packed. So, if you are a Dropkick Murphys fan or you want to take in a really cool experience, hockey and a, and essentially a free concert to boot, um, you know, your game ticket qualifies for your concert ticket. So, make sure you get on IowaWild.com. Or of course the Wells Fargo Arena box office and scoop up those tickets because they are going quick. But tomorrow night, I'd say by, you know, by 9 p.m. Dropkick Murphys are on the stage. He'll probably play for an hour or so. You said to boot. I almost thought it was an, a boot. <laughs> thought some Canadian was starting to shine through there, Joe. Uh, to boot, yeah. Well done, Trent Con. And you know, I want to follow up on Trent's qu- question, Joe. Uh, Joe down the voice of the Iowa Wild. He talked about you know the trade and uh, what, what's going to happen and how it's going to affect rosters. Nito Niederreiter a couple of weeks ago. Now Charlie Coyle yesterday. There's stall rumors out there. The Wild wake up in last place this morning in the Central Division as the Blues of. I mean, they've won 11 straight. It's unheard of. Yeah. Uh, and and even the Blackhawks. They've pulled themselves right back into this thing. So, um, Minnesota, they've got a lot of teams that they're looking up at, Joe. What do you think? Can they find their way back into this thing? It's not like they're hopelessly out of it. They're only three points out of fourth, but, man, it's tightening up. Yeah, I mean, if if you remember, going into the All-Star break, Minnesota, I think they'd won three or four in a row, and it was sort of like the break came at a bad time. Now they've come out of the break, and they have one win in Mm. ten games. Mm. Uh, They do have three of those overtime shootout losses in there but you know four points out of 20 is not going to get it done and so they've seen you know st louis blow past them chicago now has i think won 10 or 11 of 12 they just passed them in the standings they have arizona nipping at their heels and i think the message has been uh to the first year gm paul fenton this is coming from craig leopold minnesota's owner is if you can make deals to make us better in the future go for it where in the past minnesota had always been we're trying to win the stanley cup right. so this is really the first year kenny we're seeing minnesota sort of admit this group hasn't gotten it done. Let's try and improve this core group for the future. That means moving some pieces uh, to get younger and to think more about the long-term plan. I think the green light is there for the management to do that. And so the next few days are very interesting. As Minnesota has faded out of a playoff spot, they might be more in the, uh, the selling mode than the buying mode. Joe, as you probably know, I, I like to wager just a little bit. I'm not going to ask you. you picking his brain? Yeah, Gambling advice. That. Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> Give me a dart. A, the Lightning right now at a place I'm looking. You can't bet them. Plus 225. You can't bet them. Give me a dark horse, though. Give, give me somebody deeper on the board. If I'm if I'm just looking out there or making a trip out to Vegas, you'd say, eh, throw a couple shekels on them. <sighs> That's a great question. I wasn't really prepared for this one. <laughs> um, hey, I wouldn't go against, um, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning right now have been on absolute, absolute yeah, no roll. Talked about, you know. Yep. Um, but I don't know what the odds of a team like Toronto are. 
You know, you might want to look at the Maple Leafs. I know there'll be a ton of pressure on them, but they they ramped up this offseason getting a guy like Tavares for these big moments. Mm -hmm. Um, They're in a playoff spot. If they get any type of goaltending, they're going to be a handful for anybody in the Eastern Conference. Again, I don't know what odds they are. You know, you got Kenny's team, the Winnipeg Jets. Mm. I'm already on them. Uh, Ken talked me into it before the year. It's a uh, it's a bear in the Western Conference. I mean, Calgary's been a you know I think a bit of a surprise team. They're leading yep. the Pacific Division. Uh, their winners are three in a row, so the Flames might have some decent odds. How about the team, the the parent club of uh, San Jose, that you're going to see next couple of nights? This Sharks team, they're pretty good. Yeah, they are good, and you know what they've you, they added Eric Carlson yeah. in the summer. It was the biggest move of the off season, arguably outside of Tavares to the Leafs, and um, I I can't wait for the playoffs. I mean, if you guys are bringing up some of these teams. Think about some of the matchups you could have in the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs in like the first and second round this year. Uh, and there's some newer faces. You know, Calgary hasn't always been in the postseason picture. Las Vegas appears like they're ready for a run again. You're going to get Toronto in there. The Blues. Uh, Look at how the St. Louis Blues are playing, Joe. You know, and the Carolina Hurricanes are a team that's right on the outside of that doorstep. They're making national headlines with their crazy celebrations after games. But (laughs) Yeah, how's that going over? Have you... Have you talked to anybody about that? That's a, I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, it's okay. Big, because you struck a nerve. <laughs> uh, I'm old. I, yeah. I heard Don Cherry on Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. He he's said his, old. he's old. He's older. Uh, he got ripped for his take. Yeah. I, I think Don Cherry's right. I don't no. think there's any place for it. I don't like it one little bit. I know that the other team is off the ice. I know yeah. that they're doing it for the fans. They've got to yep. try and grow an audience there. Man, it's just it's just different. And maybe that's the future. I guess for us old boots, but I don't no, like I, it. I don't think it's the future, Kenny, and here's my take on it. And for fans that are curious what we're talking about, just Google uh, Google Carolina Hurricanes post-game celebration. Right. You'll see it. I mean, Sports center has been running it, et cetera. But to me, it, it's just it's sort of foot and mouth from Don Cherry. He's a guy that's made, and this isn't my argument. I've heard others make it. I mean, Don Cherry, for his career post-coaching, has made his mark with being outlandish and wearing yeah. the loud suits and hockey night in Canada. So who is he to throw stones <laughs> at a team that's sort of making headways by being outlandish? Yeah, that's, that's now, I'll say point. this. Hockey is a sport, and you know this, that has always policed itself. So if somebody, you know, some opponent is upset, granted they're off the ice, they're in their locker room while the Hurricanes are going on these three- and four-minute celebrations as a group, if they're upset about it, Circle the calendar the next time you play the Hurricanes mm-hmm. and take it into your own hands. That's what hockey's always been about. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. Uh, you're right about Don Cherry. He's worn those suits, and I, I've watched him since he started, and I'm going to miss him when he's gone. Joe O'Donnell, I look forward to catching up with you again tonight, 7 o'clock at the well tomorrow, 6 o'clock, puck drop, drop, kick Murphy's follow. Uh, go to the website for more details. You can go right there, iowawild.com. Thank you, Joe. We'll talk to you a whole bunch in the weeks to come. Thank you, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to Joe O'Donnell. Voice of the Wild as we pass the puck around. Wade Looking Bill in 15 minutes. Matt Poston's on the Big 12. Trent and I till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.